are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. 502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Day two of SEC Media Days in Birmingham. Special coverage here presented by the Orthopedic Clinic with locations in Auburn and Opelika. Redmont Vodka distilled right here in Birmingham and Kiev Auburn where you're always number one. Day two of SEC Media Days. We put day one in the books yesterday with Florida, LSU, and South Carolina. And due up today, it's our first four-team day at the conference here at the Hyatt Regency in Hoover. You got four teams up today. You've got Georgia and Tennessee in the morning, and then you have Kentucky and Ole Miss in the afternoon. Unfortunately, during our show, that's when Kentucky and Ole Miss are making their rounds. But I'll be honest with you. The stories seem to be revolving around Georgia and Tennessee going into today's festivities. Yeah, I'm glad we got to get the, uh, I I wouldn't say the more important out of the two, but it's going to be really fun to cover Georgia and Tennessee and get to talk uh, and listen to what Kirby Smart and Josh Heupel, uh, those two coaches, have to say for the Bulldogs and the Volunteers. You know, it was a really interesting day yesterday. Got to hear a lot from Dan Mullen and from uh, Ed Ogeron. Got to ask him a question. That was fun. Uh, yeah, it was just a really fun day yesterday, and I'm excited to uh, start things off this morning uh, with the Georgia Bulldogs. We did this a bit last week in how we were previewing day one of SEC Media Days. Today, I want to do one question for each of these teams here for day two to start off the show. Pre-recorded segment once again because we're switching out the table with the Max Roundtable here at as we're, as we're getting all of our equipment unplugged and whatnot and plugged back up here at SEC Media Days. But one question for each of these teams that appeared today at Day 2 of SEC Media Days. And let's start with the Georgia Bulldogs. We'll go in chronological order. They're up first today. Well, I think the first thing that you have to look at, a question that you have to ask Georgia, I think there are going to be a lot of questions surrounding that Clemson game. I don't know if there's going to be one specific uh, question that we keep coming back to, but it may be, you know, how does JT Daniels fare against some elite competition in Clemson? You know, last the four teams that he played against towards the end of last season, you know, they weren't the best when it came to defending the pass, and JT Daniels was able to be efficient against those guys. And you look at his final stat line of the 2020 season, 10 touchdowns, 2 interceptions, 1,200 yards over the course of four games. I mean, that's pretty solid, but how's he going to do that against a Clemson Clemson defense that should be one of the best in the country week one? I think everybody's going to be asking, you know, how do you prepare for that game mentally, physically? What are you looking at matchups-wise? What are you going to try and exploit Uh, defensively for Clemson? How are you going to surround JT Daniels with enough talent? And schematically, how are you going to uh, get him to where he can compete against Clemson and and do it well? Uh, So I think it's just going to be questions surrounding you know that game one or week one game against Clemson and how JT Daniels in this offense is going to uh, have success against the Clemson Tigers I'm fairly confident that there will be a couple of questions today about the power struggle between Georgia and Alabama somebody will ask today some variation of this question 
What does Georgia have to do? And is this team good enough or is this team talented enough? What's it going to take for this team to finally get over the hump and take the SEC crown against Alabama and then put themselves squarely in the national championship conversation? Georgia has repetitively been a January 1st bowl team, a New Year's 6 bowl team. Every single year, they're competing amongst that group. They went to a Sugar Bowl last year, only beat Cincinnati by a touchdown, right? They're in that mix every single season, but they seem to fall short of national championship aspirations. And I feel like the story about Georgia every year is the same. This team could win it all. And then, of course, Auburn fans scoff and say, well, you haven't won one in 40 years, ha, ha, ha. But this Georgia team really seems to be the most talented that Kirby Smart has had. And yet again, we are saying, if Georgia doesn't do it this year, they'll never do it. And I kind of feel like questions will revolve around that as well. Yeah, I think it definitely will. You know, Georgia's kind of been that runner-up team in the SEC for the past two or three years under Kirby Smart. You know, they've always been able to get to the hump, but they've never been able to get over the hump. And specifically, whenever they match up against Alabama, you know, it's always that backup quarterback that seems to come in that gives them fits. I don't think Alabama has that this season. So I think whenever you look at a team like Georgia potentially surprising some people, you know, it'd probably be best case. If it were me and I were Georgia, I'd want to match up against a freshman quarterback in the SEC championship game that's the best case scenario for me I don't want to match up against a veteran I don't want to match up with anybody that has more than a year's experience under their belt so if I'm Kirby Smart the way I'm responding to that question is you know the the, the way that the SEC is built right now and the guys that have come back from the 2020 season there's not a whole lot of production at some of the key uh, positions, and I'm specifically talking about quarterback and you look at a team like Georgia and they've got a little bit of experience but also Outside of the offense, you know, Georgia only brings back four starters on that defense, and it was really, really good in defending the, defending the run last season, but it was not so good in defending the pass. So I think another question that has to be asked is, you know, can Georgia contain some of those really talented Bama wide receivers if they do get to that SEC championship game? Are they going to be able to hold down the fort? And then are they going to be able to hold it down against the other teams on their schedule as well? You look at teams like Clemson. You look at teams like Auburn that could potentially surprise them. Florida is going going to be a difficult matchup on the road at Tennessee could be interesting if Josh Heupel has figured things out offensively for the Vols so it's just about getting focused and getting prepared and taking one more crack at it and not getting distraught if you're Georgia knowing that you've been the runner-up for so long Moving on to the next team up in chronological order today at day two of SEC Media Days. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama for On the Line. The Tennessee Vols, brand new coach, and we had the J-Boy on yesterday. We had Jake Crane of the J-Boy show on with us on yesterday's show, and he says that Josh Hoipel is kind of like the coach that you date before you find the coach that you marry or the girl that you date before the girl that you marry but I said this in response Tennessee's been dating for a while why is Josh Heupel any different and that may not be the question asked today obviously I don't think anybody asked that question but that's my question to you yeah (laughs) I don't think it is honestly I don't think it is any different you know Tennessee's been searching for a really long time something that I've said about Mississippi State is they've missed culturally on their last two coaching hires when you look at a team like Tennessee it doesn't necessarily seem like they're missing a culture fit it seems like the guys that they've brought in have have uh, have culturally I feel like fit within the system 
but they just aren't producing the way that they used to. And this year, it seems like there's def they're definitely going to have some issues year one. It's going to be a little bit of a rebuild. Some people are projecting them to go to a bowl. I have a really hard time seeing that, especially with only two starters returning on this offense, five on the defense, and you know they really weren't very good at much of anything last season. And I don't know how much Josh Heupel is going to be able to improve this hop offense. Obviously, they're bringing in Virginia Tech uh, quarterback transfer Hendon Hooker. We're going to see if he can get the start and see if he can get this offense rolling a little bit. But yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily any different year one. Now, we may see Heupel build uh, on what he's he's doing this season, and we see him build them back into that second or third place team in the East. But yeah, I don't think it's incredibly different from what we've seen in the past, but I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think Heupel's in a good position to succeed. It's still a really good program in Tennessee. They're going to be able to go out there and recruit. Offensively, if he can get these guys going, some schematically, if he can improve on some of the things that they were doing last year, and they can uh, rec recuperate after losing all those transfers to the portal, I think they're going to do just fine in the coming years. You mentioned Virginia Tech transfer quarterback Hendon Hooker, but you also have to mention Michigan transfer quarterback Joe Milton, and it seems like this is true for a lot of teams at Media Days, considering only three quarterbacks were brought this year. There's some quarterback battles going on, and so my question about Tennessee at this whole event, and that will probably be brought up, is what's going on at the revolving door at quarterback that's been in Knoxville, Tennessee for the last several years, and this year no different. Are they going to have one tried and true guy? I'm sure Hypo can get it figured out, but who is that guy? That's the question. Yeah, I don't think they've had a guy in that room that they've been able to to, to believe in and to, that has sustained success. I don't think since Josh Dobbs, honestly. I don't know if I can think of a guy, and Garantano was that guy, but he was not what Vol fans wanted. He definitely had some issues. Uh, I, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the quarterback battle, uh, how it how it sifts out as we head closer towards fall camp. Obviously, like you mentioned, Joe Milton, Hendon Hooker, Harrison Bailey. I don't know if there's anybody else in that competition right now, but I think it's just a three-way quarterback competition between the, those three guys. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, two of those guys have Power 5 starting experience, like quite a good bit of it. I believe Harrison Bailey started a game for uh, Tennessee last season. Uh, but I'm not sure. But yeah, I'd feel pretty confident if I were going with Joe Milton or Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker, a bit of a, a more of a dual threat, I believe. So it's schematically, it just depends on what Hypo wants to do. If he wants to throw the ball a little bit more down the field with Joe Milton, we saw his strong arm at Michigan. Not not the best in the world uh, when it came to making decisions, but still a pretty decent quarterback that started at a Power 5 school, one of the best in the country in Michigan. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that quarterback battle shakes out. I'm sure there are going to be a lot of questions asked about Hooker and Milton. Now switching to Tennessee rival in the Kentucky Wildcats, Mark Stoops and his guys in Hoover today. Last season, Kentucky beating Tennessee by a whopping score of 34-7. to That was kind of the game where we all realized that the wheels fell off for Tennessee or that there really could be something dangerous going on in Knoxville. They may not be as good as we originally thought they were. We gave them a pass for losing to Georgia. Then they lost to Kentucky 34-7, to and we all said, uh-oh. Now, Kentucky brings in quite the aspirations this year. There are a few folks out there, or a decent amount of folks out there, that believe this Kentucky team can push towards the top of the SEC East. I've even seen a couple of rumblings of possibly pushing as far as second. Now, I highly doubt that that's where the media, when we vote here at Hoover, I highly doubt that that is where Kentucky gets to, but I would not be shocked if they left SEC Media Days as predicted finish as third in the SEC East. My question to Kentucky and Mark Stoops is, where is this team at in the development of this offense 
and adding a more robust passing game to it rather than being solely a running football team at one dimensional because that's how they're going to get there. Yeah, I feel like Kentucky has been overachieving here the past few seasons, but it's gotten to a point where it's no longer overachieving. Mark Stoops has truly elevated this program from under bowl eligibility to on the verge of bowl eligibility or being an eight or nine win program. And I think for this season, it starts and ends with the quarterback position. Who are they going to get and who are they going to bring in? Is it going to be Will Levis? Is it going to be Bo Allen? Is it going to be Joey Gatewood? Somebody's got to bring in a sustainable passing game. They've got to be able to be a little bit more dynamic on offense. Obviously, they're going to run the ball, but they need somebody that can come in and be, I guess, some kind of a game manager for the Wildcats. They just need somebody that they can be confident in, and I don't know if they have the answer right now. I think that's going to be interesting to see how the the quarterback battle shakes out in fall camp. Another SEC East team that seems like it's got a three-way competition going on at quarterback. Really fun stuff to see. A lot of storylines going on here at SEC Media Days. I'm sure a lot of questions are going to be asked about those three guys, but yeah, offensively, are they going to have the quarterbacks to do it, and then are they going to have the receivers to do it? Josh Ali, Wandale Robinson transferring in from uh, Nebraska. It's going to be really exciting. Noah, something I do want to point out, looking at their 2020 schedule, they really did struggle against the better teams on their schedule last season, and they beat the teams they should beat. They lost to Auburn, they lost to Ole Miss, they whipped up on Mississippi State during their time where, where everybody figured out their their offense. They beat Tennessee on the road, a Garantano uh, quarterback for Tennessee that threw, I believe it was, it was three picks, and two of them were pick six. Uh, they, they lost to Missouri, they lost to Georgia, they beat Vanderbilt by three, they lost to Alabama by 60, they lost to Florida, they beat South Carolina, and then they beat NC State. That NC State game is really surprising to me. If I were a Kentucky fan heading into that matchup, I would be afraid, but they managed to pull out the dub as a 4-6 and six team heading into that bowl game, 5-6 and six overall at the end of the season. But yeah, my question is, when, whenever I'm looking at this schedule, how is Kentucky going to overachieve like they have? in past seasons because they did not seem to really overachieve last year and I think a lot of it had to do with quarterback issues. Switching gears now to the Ole Miss Rebels 5-5 last year and Ole Miss is the team of the SEC West other than LSU. I'd say LSU and Ole Miss are the two teams that folks are latching on to. LSU to rekindle magic of 2019 where there may not be as much evidence and Ole Miss latching on to to hop Auburn in the SEC hierarchy I question that of course and my question my one question for the Ole Miss Rebels today is sell me on why this defense is going to be substantially better than what it was last year which was good enough and you've got the stats in front of you which was good enough to be the worst defense in the country. Yeah, you look at the top four uh, statistical categories on defense, scoring, rushing, passing yards, and total yards, and they were either 13th or 14th in the SEC in all four of those major categories. They were at least 101st nationally in one of those categories. Everything else was worse. 38.3 38.3 points per game, over 200 yards rushing, over 300 yards passing, and that's 520 total yards of offense allowed from the Ole Miss Rebels last season. And so, where yeah, did that place? Where did that place? That was dead last in the SEC. What about nationally? Nationally, 126 nationally total yards per game. Which is second to last in college football. Which there are 130 FBS teams, but only 127 played last season. So that was literally next to last. They were at the bottom of the 
barrel in terms of defensive production. They bring back seven starters from that unit. So I'm right there with you, Noah. My question is sell me because I am not a believer right now. And I think it's going to hold Ole Miss back in some of these games where their offense is going to shine and they should have an opportunity to win. They just need a, a, they just need a couple stops. That's the thing. It's like when you look at Ole Miss's defense, it's not they weren't getting stops last season. If they can just get one or two, this offense is going to show out and they're going to get not, not necessarily lucky, but they're going to finally get over the hump in some of these games. And I think that will propel them to bowl eligibility now how far do I think they get past that I'm not sure because again this defense is really leaky on the back end and I've got some concerns whenever you're playing teams like Alabama even Arkansas I think could be an issue LSU Auburn Liberty Texas A&M you go on the road to end the season at Mississippi State I know they're incredibly inept on offense but if they figure out their passing game just a little bit you know that's the that's where that's where Ole Miss has their issues so yeah it's this defense it starts and ends for me for the with this defense because I don't have as many concerns with the offense now I would like to see a little bit more receiver production from Ole Miss they don't bring back a ton of that but they've got so many weapons and Matt Corral is going to do excellent so I, I don't have as many concerns there but yeah that defense man they've got to be able to figure it out 38.3 points allowed per game this is the point I want to make about Ole Miss and if you disagree with me whatever I understand it there are a lot of people that are high up on this team but Ole Miss cultivated expectations last year because people felt like and this is what put people this is what put this thought in folks mind when Ole Miss pushed Alabama to the brink last year 63 to 48 final score and their offense scored against everybody and they finished five and five people looked at this team and they're like oh these guys aren't half bad the offense was so high octane was so explosive that people looked at the squad and like oh they're, they're not bad these guys can score they're pretty good and all of a sudden people thought this team was ahead of schedule I want to debunk that though. I don't think this team is ahead of schedule. I think people think this team is ahead of schedule. I think there was the illusion that this team is ahead of schedule. And I was one of those people that fell into that illusion. I thought this team was well ahead of schedule when they competed against Alabama. And I was wrong. I I I drank the Kool-Aid and I was way ahead of it. It was an overreaction. This team is not ready yet. And this is my reasoning why. Look at the four teams that they beat last year in the regular season. They beat Kentucky, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Mississippi State. Some of the worst teams that the SEC had to offer last year. Vanderbilt and South Carolina were awful. They had two wins combined, and both of those wins came from South Carolina. Mississippi State finished like 3-7 and or something like that. And Kentucky was 5-6, and and that Kentucky team, none of these teams here were, were good offensive teams last year. None of them were. Not one. Not one of those teams were good offensive teams, and Ole Miss was able to outscore them. Now, look at all the games that they lost. Lost to Florida, lost to Alabama, lost to Arkansas, lost to Auburn, lost to LSU. All teams that had at least a semblance of a competent offense or good offensive playmakers. And this year, we expect many of those teams to get better, especially LSU. I think Auburn's going to get better. I think you could say that AM will have some struggles early on, but they should be able to figure it out by the end of the season because that is the progression of a young team. My thing is, all of those squats are still more talented than Ole Miss. Ole Miss lost their best playmakers from a year ago with the exception of Matt Corral. This Ole Miss team still has to prove to me that they, like, I, I, I just, I still think that they're rebuilding. I, I still think that they are building up from when Lane Kiffin took over and they just burst onto the scene with some excitement last year. And now everybody all of a sudden thinks that they're this sexy pick to just all of a sudden be a lot better this year. 
And I just have a hard time seeing it because of that defense that gives up 33 or 38.3 points allowed per game. I'm not sure if they're going to be that bad this year, but even if they improve by a touchdown, which is a massive improvement, what if somebody said to you, man, Auburn's defense jumped from 25 or 24 points allowed per game like they did last year to 20 or to, to 20 or to 17? You'd be you'd be like, man, that's a great improvement. Ole Miss from 38 to 30 is just as big of a jump. And that's still a bad defense. Mm-hmm. That's Florida's defense last year, right? Does that get you over the hump? I don't think so. So I, I there's just so many question marks with this Ole Miss team that I'm just really not sold. But today we're going to get those answers, or at least Ole Miss's version of those answers. And then we'll finally know when we kick off on September 4th, and I think they kick off on the 6th against Louisville. Yeah, and I think whenever you're asking that question, can you get over the hump, you know, I I think you have to start to define what the hump is. Is it eight wins? Is it nine wins? Is it finishing above Auburn? I think it's passing Auburn. I think it is passing Auburn. Yeah, 30 points a game I don't think is going to get you past Auburn this season. If you're giving up 30 points a game compared to where you were last season, I don't think that gets you past the Tigers. Let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, we will be live from SEC Media Days. You're listening to On the Line special coverage of SEC Media Days presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmont Vodka, and Kia Vollmer. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Special coverage of SEC Media Days presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka, and Kia of Auburn. Day two of SEC Media Days here in Hoover, Alabama. Got to see Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Ole Miss currently making their rounds as well. Tennessee wrapping up their time out on Radio Row right now. I think we've seen the last of Josh Heupel, but Alante Taylor still making his rounds as well. It's been a fun day of day two. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you here on the show today. And I want to start it off talking about the Georgia Bulldogs. Of course, Demetrius Robertson transferring to Auburn. That news broke a couple of weeks ago, and considering it's Georgia Day, the recent Georgia transfer, a lot of questions asked about Mr. Robertson. Yeah, and JT Daniels and head coach Kirby Smart had nothing but positive things to say about Demetrius Robertson, former five-star from Cal. Uh, JT said that he was a really close friend of Robertson, so he was a good person, a great player. Uh, Kirby Smart said very similar things as well, said Rob is a tremendous young man, and said that he's just a vertical threat that I think he thinks is a – going to uh, be used properly at Auburn, and Mike Bobo's going to use him well. So just a lot of high praise for Demetrius Robertson. They both said they wish him nothing but the best, and, you know, that's really nice to hear. For You don't really normally hear that from a rival. We have a couple of sound clips of Kirby Smart and JT Daniels speaking about the former Georgia wide receiver and now current Auburn wide receiver. Let's take a listen to what Kirby Smart had to say about his former wideout. D-Rob's a tremendous uh, young man. He's a kid that I feel like I've known. I mean, I can go all the way back to the years at Alabama when we were recruiting D-Rob as a young player, and then I come to Georgia, continue to recruit him, don't get him, get him by transfer, and now he's going to graduate this summer and be able to go to Auburn. So I'm so excited for D-Rob because he's a great young man. I mean, this young man did everything the right way. Uh, he's He's got a lot of speed. He's a vertical threat. Uh, I know Bobo and those guys at Auburn are excited to get him. Coach Smart, thank you for your time. Thank you, guys. 
funny to say that he's excited to see one of his wideouts go to a rival because he'll be playing against him. And you and I have talked at length about Demetrius Robertson's skill set and what he brings to Auburn. I already think he's at the top of the depth chart. And I think if you're ranking these receivers, and we did this about a week ago, he's number one on that list. Yeah, and I think he brings a lot of versatility to the passing game. You notice whenever you go look at his, I believe you were talking a lot about his pro football focus numbers over the past couple of weeks. You know, I believe Cal lined him up normally as an outside receiver, but Georgia used him in the slot, and they used him a lot of different ways. And in 2018, while he was still uh, rehabbing from another injury, they used him in the run game a lot, a lot of sweeps, a lot of motion stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see what Auburn does with him. He's got a lot of speed. He's incredibly talented. He doesn't have incredible size listed, I believe, at only six feet tall. But, you know, that's something. That's a guy that Auburn can definitely use in a lot of different ways. And like you said, he's probably going to be Auburn's first or number one target day one. Bo Nix needs a guy that has experience in the SEC that he can rely on, and Robertson has that. Then the guy that was the signal caller for him that was throwing him some passes through the last four games of last season, JT Daniels had some things to say about Demetrius Robertson as well. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. Uh, great person, a good friend of mine, and a great player. Um, I can't say good enough. I can't say enough good about D. Rob. Uh, since I've been here, him and I have been really good friends. We've been close. Uh, you know, he's, he's a great person, a great player, and we, we wish. Uh, I don't think anybody at Georgia will tell you that they wish anything but the best for him. Just glowing remarks for Demetrius Robertson from former Georgia quarterback J.T. Daniels and head coach. Kirby Smart takeaways from Georgia today as they all hit the podium. It had a very Alabama feel to it. It's very much so like they they feel you know the the two top teams in the SEC. The the story it's always pointed towards them competing for national championships and whatnot. But honestly, those two teams a lot of times end up being the two most boring teams there. Yeah, and you know, as far as the things that I took away from it, I really enjoyed what Smart had to say in his opening statement. He went ahead and got NIL out of the way, and he explained actually that two of the players that he brought, you know, one of them had an NIL deal and the other one didn't, and that was just by their choice. And he knew that there may be inequities within positions and things, but his team is very confident in what they're doing and that he'll manage that as far as NIL goes and that NIL won't be a distraction during the offseason. And he said he, his players are handling it really, really well. And then another thing that he said that I really liked. He said, I've got a quote here for you uh, as far as our expectations. Success comes to those who are too busy to those who are too busy to be looking for it. They said, so their expectations this season, they don't have time to have expectations. They're too busy working this offseason. They're too busy grinding. They're too busy getting ready for that week one game against Clemson. So I really like that from Kirby Smart. They seemed very, very confident in what they were talking about today. Uh, JT Daniels seemed to have a lot of confidence out there as well. I asked him, you know, what's your, what, what, you, what would you say is the strongest part of your game? He's just like, just going out there and understanding my position along with the rest of my guys. I think they understand what they're coming into this season. Let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, we've got Dave Schultz of WNSP 105.5 FM in Mobile coming up here at 2.30. You're listening to On the Line special coverage of SEC Media Days presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka, and Keo Volbert. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Special coverage of SEC Media Days presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka, and Keough Auburn. Day two here in Hoover. And we've got Dave Schultz of WNSP 105.5 FM in Mobile. Dave, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, very much for having me. 
So, Dave, today we've gotten to see Georgia and Tennessee and full Kentucky and Ole Miss still taking the rounds right now. And going to break, we were talking about Georgia a bit, and it seems like Alabama and Georgia consistently at SEC Media Days seem to be, and maybe boring's not the best word, but I, I say that they have the least going on, and that, that really is a sign of a team ready to contend for a national championship. In terms of what? Because I think Alabama's got a ton going on. We got a ton. We got a new quarterback who apparently is making seven-figure deals. We have offense, freshman offensive lineman, maybe one or two starting in the SEC. Uh, there's just so much talent from Alabama that has been gone over the last couple of years. Uh, do I think they're going to stumble a little bit this year? Maybe, maybe early. I don't know who they're going to lose to. I think they are going to lose one ball game, so I would take the under 11.5, but I still think they're going to be in the playoff. As for Georgia, I think you're right in that case there is not a whole lot of news surrounding Kirby Smart and and Georgia this year and maybe that's good outside of both people think it's like you know championship or bust for Kirby Smart this year and I disagree with that I think they're going to be in contention but I don't think he's going to get fired if they don't win a national championship how did you feel about the stuff that we heard from JT Daniels did it inspire confidence in you if you were a Bulldogs fan would you be would you be happy with what he said was there anything that you gleaned from his his uh, conversation with the media not really. I, I, probably just a bunch of cliche stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's going to say what we all want to hear, and I think they've been trained. I think the coaches have been trained not to say any news, although we'll see what Lane Kiffin does later today, and we'll see what <laughs> Mike Leach does. He likes to, you know, go against the grain. Uh, but I think it's more along the lines of what Shane Beamer did with a Steve Spurrier uh, photo, right? A little something to go viral instead of, you know, putting your foot in your mouth. Dan Mullen said yesterday it was pretty good. Well, they picked Georgia last year. How'd that turn out? So that was a little bit of a, of a poke, but I don't think we're going to make a lot of major news the way they used to do here. So what did you think about Demetrius Robertson whenever they were talking about him? Were you excited about what they said? And how do you view Demetrius Robertson transferring to Auburn? Do you think he's going to be their number one guy? He very well could be. I mean, they got a very lot. They got a lot of talented wide receivers, but a lot of young and inexperienced wide receivers. Uh, you know, he got his legal issues cleared up, which was a lot of nothing, is what that was. And hopefully, him and Bo Nix get on the same page very quickly. They got a couple of early ball games that I don't think we're going to see vanilla offense. I think we're going to see whatever Brian Harson is going to want to run against LSU, Georgia, and Penn State. That's what he's going to run for two, two and a half quarters against Akron and Alabama State because we've got to see if Bo Nix can actually run the offense. If this was year three of Bo Nix with Brian Harson, then, yeah, we'd be handing the ball off to Tank Bigsby 15 times, handing the ball off to Sean Shivers 15 times and, and get out of there. But I think we're going to find out the offense, and hopefully it's a different level than what it has been in the past. Speaking with Dave Schultz of WNSP 105.5 FM in Mobile, Georgia up today. And we talked a little bit about national championship expectations mm. for this team. And, and I'm with you. It's it's not championship or bust for a coach that's going to win 10 or 11 games right. every year, right? right. That would right. be ridiculous. Made that mistake once, right, with Mark Rick. Right. I doubt they'll do that again. But is is there – do you believe there's a vibe that maybe if this Georgia team this year doesn't do it, that will Kirby ever do it? Only because – only because of the turnover, right? I mean – I a lot of people still like Florida, but, boy, Kyle Trask had a ridiculous year with Kyle Pitts and no Kadarius Toney. You know, who's coming in after those guys? Uh, with Alabama, they got a lot of turnover, as we've discussed. So it's more about timing than anything else, more than, you know, Georgia's got a lot of talent, but everybody else may be, like, uh, not quite where they were in years past. So it's a, a little bit of Georgia and a little bit of the other teams not quite being there. But, again, I still think Alabama's going to be playing for the national championship. I think Alabama's going to be much better in November and December than they probably are in September.
even outside of the SEC, I'm sure you've seen a lot of folks really like that Oklahoma team out in the Big 12. And, um, you know, Clemson, of course, is always in the picture, but them and Ohio State both have major questions. Is this a year that maybe the SEC doesn't win it? Well, I got. I think there's a better chance of two SEC teams being in the playoff than not winning it at all. We'll see. I, I was told the other day, last week, we had Jason Kersey on from the Athletic. He covers Oklahoma. Their defense is night and day what it was just two years ago. Remember, Joe Burrow and company lit Oklahoma up in the national semifinals. Spencer, Spencer Rattler took his lumps last year. So we'll see if he becomes more uh, – with more experience, does he become more consistent and more explosive uh, on a regular basis? I, I would still think that Alabama and Georgia are number one. I think Clemson is in the same boat as kind of Alabama. They have lost a ton of talent. Look, they have a really good young quarterback who's actually got more experience than Bryce, but they got a ton of. T- I guess Justin Ross is back, but they got, they've lost a ton of talent, especially on the offensive and defensive lines over the last couple of years that it's just going to be tough to replace i think they got talented guys but it's probably inexperienced moving on from georgia but keeping it here in the sec east you know we got to see josh heupel take the stand and and talk about the volunteers and something that he and his players were really talking about is is the culture and how important it is that all these guys stay close-knit and that they're communicating with each other and checking up on each other and actually practicing even outside of scheduled practices what did you take away from that is that something important that you have to establish at a place like tennessee year one well, I always wonder, wonder what that culture means. What does that right. mean? Does someone have bad culture? I mean, so I came before I was in Mobile. I was in Lafayette, and Mark Hudspeth had a culture. All right, he went to four straight bowl games. They'd never been to a bowl game. They'd never won nine games. He did it four years in a row. Had a little bump in the road. Billy Napier comes in. He changes the culture. All right, now they're pretty good, and they, they you know, watch out. They may beat Texas, so we can all do <laughs> horns down after week one if the Cajuns come through. But what, what does that mean, culture, right? The same thing I talked to uh, from South Carolina, I talked to Heath Klein and saying that Shane Beamer brought in a new culture. It's just a little bit more enthusiasm, that Will Muschamp was a little bit more business-esque like Saban. He was, he was the business-esque part of Saban without the winning part of Saban, and maybe Shane Beamer's brought in the fun. It's supposed to be fun, right? College football is supposed to be fun. You'd like to win, but it should be at least – Fun. So we'll see. I, and I think all we got four different new coaches, right, at four different kind of programs. Brian Harson at Auburn is expected to win, all right? Sometime he's expected to win. Tennessee, same thing, but they are way down, right? That's a mess. Vanderbilt's never expected to win, right? If somewhere along the way you win eight games in year four, they're thrilled to death, right? And South Carolina wants to compete somewhere along the way as well. They, they've had really one good run in, what, 40, 50 years, something along those lines. So all those new coaches have different levels, and they're all trying to bring in their own culture. I mean, is Brian Harson trying to bring in a national culture to Auburn? Right? A little bit different than, than what it was. It was totally out of the box. No one saw that coming. I love the hire. I think Brian Harson's going to do a good job. It's just can he get – how quickly can he get Bo Nix to take that next step? Josh Heupel was asked a lot today, whether it was on SEC Network, whether it was at the main podium. His players were asked about it as well. The theme for Tennessee right now, it, right. it feels like, is the offensive system and how up-tempo it is. I mean, even being compared to, to Lane Kiffin's offense, some folks are saying that this is going to be an even faster offense than what Lane Kiffin puts on the field. Can that work in the SEC? I think people are used to it. I think Gus Malzahn did that. I, I think Nick Saban, you know, pushed as much as he could against it, and they figured it out. I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm from central New York, and so – they figured that out. Dino Babers brought that to Syracuse, and they figured it out. They were awful uh, even after they beat Clemson, right? And they figured it out. And so the talent dis- uh, discrepancy now between everybody else in the orange doesn't matter if you're playing tempo. So I'm not sure the tempo is going to work uh, because Hypo better be careful. If he goes three and out, the tempo is going to be really bad because <laughs> the defense is going to be back on the field really fast. That's what happened at State last year. Yeah. 
yeah, three so and out in 19 so seconds. Anybody ask Hypo what, what the sock deal was? No socks? Was he wearing no-shows or something like that? He just didn't have any socks on, did he? I didn't even see that. I oh, didn't yeah. even notice that. No socks? No socks, as far as I could see. <laughs> Interesting question to you, considering you're a Syracuse guy. Oh, God. How do you feel about Tommy DeVito? You know, Tommy, can you, you want to hear this? Tommy DeVito was he was in a, one of those Orlando competitions <laughs> with I think Lowell Narcisse. Right? Okay. And Miles Brennan. Okay. And he won the stronger arm competition. Really? Now, you want to see what a QB looks like when he's got zero protection. And that was, you think Auburn struggles with, you know, with their offensive line protection. Tommy DeVito would catch the football out of the shotgun and somebody would be in his face. So, you know, he does have talent. You know, he has won at Syracuse before backing up uh, Dungey. And so I'm hoping, I mean, they're over under in the ACC is one and a half. They're over under for total is three and a half. <laughs> Oh, I mean, that's, that's, that's embarrassing, right? I don't expect them to compete with recruiting against Florida State, Miami, and Clemson, but can you out-recruit Duke? Can you out-recruit Wake? Do we need to be on the same level as Boston College? Come on, you know. Can we get a top 50 recruiting class? No one thinks you're going to get a top 20 recruiting class, but my goodness. Yeah, you talk about talent and something that Tennessee's going to have to do is they're going to have to bring in a little bit of that talent, something that Heupel was talking about. It's like, you know, this is a line of scrimmage league, and you got to be able to bring in some talented recruits on the offensive and defensive lines. And you said that you think Tennessee's really far away from that. How far away are they from getting to that point where they can compete with the Alabamas, Georgias, and Auburns of the world? Well, I mean, they are, they are, they're nowhere near that, right? We, are, are they going to have some sort of fallout from the NCAA and find out what happens there? I mean, I, you know, if they're anywhere near, I would presume if Heupel does a good job, he'll get a second contract, and that's what I would look for. If, we're, if Tennessee fans are looking for miracles, I, I'm not even looking for compete. With Brian Harson and Auburn, I'm looking for right. them to go into Penn State and compete. Winning would be another story, but let's see them compete. Let's see them go into Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge and compete. They did that a couple of years ago, right, with the prolific Joe Burrow team. They competed with them. Let's see them go in there and compete. Winning isn't would be nice, but let's see them go and compete. I don't think Tennessee's ready to compete, and it's going to be a couple of years before they do. Switching gears to Ole Miss, which is, I guess, Lane Kiffin's getting ready to arrive. Should be hitting the main podium pretty soon, but – Looking at Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, a lot of folks are bullish on this team. Said they could even finish in front of Auburn, could could relegate Auburn to the final, you know, two or three teams in the SEC West. Do you think they're ready to take that step? Was that Cole Kubelik? Like, did Cole Kubelik have Ole Miss again higher than Auburn? Is he going to be? Is he There's be a lot of folks that do. I think 24/7 Sports had them uh, projected in front of Auburn. Is Kubelik going to be allowed back in Jordan Hare? My <laughs> goodness. Uh, we'll see what the defense is. I mean. Let's be honest, Ole Miss was like a bad snap away from keeping up with Alabama last year, right? It was That's what the difference was in that football game. Alabama couldn't stop them, and um, they couldn't stop Alabama. So we'll see. Matt Corral is, seems to be the quarterback in the league. It's not JT Daniels. It's Matt Corral, maybe because of the Lane Kiffin offense. Uh, I think it's just a, it's going to be a lot of fun, and we'll see if they make that adjustment on defense. They've got to be able to stop somebody, and most likely they've got to be able to stop LSU. Still, you know, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They're going to be good offensively. Uh, we'll see what Brian Harson does with Bo Nix, and you know, we'll see what A&M is. Are you guys on that A&M bandwagon yet? I'm not on that bandwagon. I'm not. not everyone, this guy may no. be a little bit closer, but I'm not. Everyone seems to be on that A&M bandwagon. I'm like, didn't they just have like their quarterback have like a, a great year, and all those offensive linemen, a lot of them are gone. I'm like, Where's the whole thing coming from A&M? I'm not buying that yet. It's such a talented be team, wrong, but until they find a quarterback, I don't see it. Yeah, they're, they're going to have the defense, but I've seen many an Auburn team with the, with the defense. They had no quarterback, no offensive line, and they still went 6-6, six 7-5. Six, well, so, I, think that, I think the defense is going to lead the way yep. uh, for, for uh, 
for Auburn, especially the secondary smoke Monday and, and Mobile's own Roger McCurry. There you go. Dave Schultz of WNSP 105.5 FM of Mobile. I know you're about to go on air. Tell everybody how they can hear you. Uh, Dave, WNSP is the is the uh, what the Twitter account, and you know you can just you can listen to our station sound of mobile app or WNSP.com. Appreciate it, Dave. Thanks, guys. That was Dave Schultz of WNSP 105.5 FM no in sacks. Mobile. No we'll sacks be tomorrow. No sacks tomorrow, guys. No socks. We'll be back to <laughs> uh, we'll be back in just a moment on the other side of this break. You're listening to on the line special coverage of SEC Media Days presented by the Orthopedic Clinic and Redmond Vodka and Keo Vomer. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Special coverage of SEC Media Days presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmont Vodka, and Kia of Auburn. And we have talked a lot about day two here of SEC Media Days in Hoover, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Ole Miss today. Kentucky and Ole Miss getting set to make their rounds right now. I actually believe Kentucky is uh, should be getting finished with their with their main run through the, the main media room and then electronic media and all that good stuff. And then they should be headed to Radio Row relatively soon. And then Lane Kiffin should be arriving in Hoover pretty soon as well. But now we have a special guest on the line with us here for our final segment. We got Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports. Brandon, we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Uh, Auburn Connection here. How are you doing today? Good, man. I just found out, I just found out a Kentucky player uh, met J-Lo this summer. Wow. Really? Uh, <laughs> Who said, was that? <laughs> uh, Josh Pascal. He said that they had uh, complete eye contact in the stairway. <laughs> and uh, he said, at least I hope that's real because I've been telling everybody about it. <laughs> he said it was a surreal moment. So that's the biggest news from media day so far. <laughs> the player met uh, J-Lo. So this Kentucky team, how much have you gotten to hear about them? I know as they're, as they're just yeah. now getting started. Uh, not too much. I, I was not in the room when Stoops was talking. But, you know, I think the big question with them is, you know, are they the third best team in the East? Or are they the team that um, will finish behind Florida and Georgia or maybe challenge Florida for that second spot even? And I think there's a lot to be said uh, for Mizzou maybe being in that spot and seeing whether Kentucky and – uh, and Mizzou go for that. But, you know, it's crazy to think this, that Mark Stoops is the second longest tenured coach in the SEC behind Nick Saban. It's nuts to think, and, and, and Stoops has done such a great job there. It's incredible. What I want to ask you then, talking about Mizzou, do you think that it's more than potentially finishing as that third team in the East? Is it because of the talent, or is it because of the schedule? Because that schedule seems yeah. like it lines up where a lot of 50-50 games could go their way. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think um, I think it's that all, we got so much more confidence than offense after what we saw last season. And, uh, you know, their quarterback did so well last year that we're kind of all of a sudden thinking, oh, they can hang with the big boys in the SEC as far as offense, but their defense, you know, not necessarily was terrible, but it was bad enough last year. And if that just takes an improvement, I guess the the team I would, you know, I've always tried to compare teams. You know how much we're talking about Ole Miss and everybody's falling in love with Ole Miss? Mizzou's kind of in the Ole Miss mode, mold, in my, my opinion. And I'm of the belief that if Ole Miss's defense improves this year, they could win eight games. Why can't Mizzou do that? And as you said, against that schedule, they got an opportunity there. And I think Mizzou very well could be that third best team in the East this season. With Ole Miss getting ready to make their rounds, you bring up their defense. Yeah. 
They were 126 out of 127 last year in yards allowed per game. Even an improvement kind of still puts them in Florida defensive category <laughs> last year. So, like, I'm curious yeah. how much they have to make to actually get to that eight-win point. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. At one point in the year before they actually did well against Indiana defensively, they were on pace to have not just the worst defense in the country, but an historically bad defense, one of the worst defenses in college football history. And they still were able to win the games they did last season. It's incredible to me. So where did they improve? Like That's like the big thing to me. Can they improve in the secondary more than anything? We'll see. I. I, I don't know. I'm interested to hear Lane Kiffin speak later today about what he gives him confidence that that defense is going to improve. Because we do, you just kind of assume it's going to improve because they're older. But uh, can they really? Or does, you know, here's the other thing. Why are we so confident that the offense is going to be exactly like it was last season? Right. I'm, I'm not so sure it'll be as explosive as it was last season. Right. So who, who knows? But. If that defense doesn't prove, that, that's a team that very well could win eight games. Of course, you spent a lot of time on the Plains, and Ole Miss is that team, even in 24-7 sports, when they brought out the the uh, the poll that you guys had. Y'all, mm-hmm. Ole Miss was projected in front of Auburn. Is that where you is that where you land on that? Do you think Ole Miss has a better year than Auburn this year? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, the thing that concerns me about Auburn is the quarterback play with Bo Nix. Still not sold on the offensive line, but the biggest thing to me, the biggest weakness for Auburn's receiver, I'm like, who's going to step up a receiver? Who's going to be that guy after their top three guys left or, you know, exhausted their eligibility? And then defensively, I think they're just going to be a little bit above average. I don't think it's going to be a great defense. Uh, I think it's just going to be a little bit above average. Um, I think it's going to look like a much more disciplined team, especially offensively, not necessarily defensively, but I, I just don't see the type of pieces in there that makes it a team that wins like eight games like Ole Miss is capable of. And I'm not sure that this Auburn roster is capable of winning eight games just from what I've seen when it comes to the fundamentals and techniques with Bo Nix, a quarterback, and obviously with the completely unproven and inexperienced receiving core. But Tank Bigsby, having said all that, I know it sounds all negative, but with Tank Bigsby – He'll probably lead the SEC in rushing. I, I could see that very well happening. Switching to a team that actually took the stage first today, UGA. Curious. A lot of people saying that if Kirby Smart doesn't do it this year, and I feel like we say this every year, if he doesn't do it this year, he's never going to do it. Is he Is he ever going to do it? Is this the year? Yeah. Um, I've been saying all, all summer, here, I'm going to pump myself up to give some credence and some cred to myself. Last year, I said the window was open for Florida to win the East and that Georgia was not going to win the East last year. That happened. Yay me. I, fi- I finally got something <laughs> right. So this year, I'm saying this is the window for Georgia not only to win the East again, but to win the national championship. I think this is the year. Next year, I don't think they've got the pieces to do it. And the big piece to me is JT Daniels. I think he's an elite quarterback. You need an elite quarterback to win national championships. Um, heck, you know, Josh Heupel, the Tennessee coach, made a great point today. I think it's the last three national champions were averaging at least 520 yards of offense. Right. Georgia very well could do that this year and should do that with that elite, with that elite you know, quarterback. I know George Pickens is dealing with the knee and might not play this season, but with that defense and that offense – and the pieces they have, they've built that roster to this season. They sh- they should be in the playoff this year. 
And if they don't reach the playoff, I think that fans should be very disappointed at Georgia. Um, and also, you know, week one they play Clemson. They could lose to Clemson, and I think they may very well still make the playoff. I think they, they've still got the tools in place to go to the, net, the championship game in the SEC and beat Alabama. I think they've got the pieces. But uh, with Kirby Smart, I, I hesitate. Brandon, system. I appreciate it, my man. Thanks yes. for taking the time. That was Thanks, Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports joining us. We got ahead to the end of the hour break here. That was Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports. We'll be back with hour number two coming up. You're listening to our special coverage of SEC Media Days presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka, and Keo Vollmer. are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Special coverage of SEC Media Days in Hoover, Alabama, presented by the Orthopedic Clinic with locations in Auburn and Opelika. Redmond Vodka distilled right here in Birmingham and Kiev, Auburn, where you're always Number one, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line, 334-564-1840. We are taking your calls. We're taking your text as well. And, Lance, we've actually already got something in our text box. Yes, we got a text here from Blake, and he asked, do you think Bo Nick should play two more college seasons so he can try and make his draft stock higher? I think he's going to have to play two more seasons. I think he gets better this year, but I don't know if he gets – I don't know if he takes enough improvement to the point where it justifies making the jump to the NFL after this season. Right, so you're saying it's going to take him a hot minute to uh, get focused and have some fun out there. <laughs> it may take, take a him couple a hot years. minute to get to the NFL. Yeah, I think – I think that's a good thing for Auburn, too. I also think you talk about his legacy at Auburn. He's going to want those two more years. Yeah, I think whenever you look at a kid like Bo Nix, you know, I've not seen him mocked in any draft board so far. So if he wants to get up there, if he wants to get in, into any round – period. I Man, think he's, he's going to have to 67th on pff.com's quarterback rankings. Yeah, he's going to have to have a pretty darn good year this year and he's going to have to come back for another season after that in order to uh to have a shot at the NFL. I wouldn't necessarily say he's undersized, but he's not an NFL-sized quarterback. Um he mechanically he's not done a lot to prove that he's he would be ready to compete uh, in, in pro football and then I just I just, we just haven't seen enough from the guy. We just haven't seen enough from the guy and we're going to need to see him improve on a lot of different things over the course of two seasons if he chooses to stay uh, to, get, to get a shot at it. So, yeah, I definitely think he has to stay for at least two more seasons. Live in Hoover, Alabama on Radio Row at the Hyatt Regency Hotel, day two of SEC Media Days. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Ole Miss were the four teams today here in Hoover Georgia and Tennessee were the first half of the day. 
Kentucky and Ole Miss making their rounds right now as well. Unfortunately, we're on the air while those two teams are making their rounds. we got a ton of stuff on Georgia and Tennessee, which really, I think, are the two headliners today when you look at the conference. We'll start off with Georgia here. What was the theme of the day for Georgia? We were talking with Dave Schultz of WNSP 105.5 FM in Mobile in hour number one at 2.30, and I asked him, said it seems like Georgia, Alabama, year in and year out at SEC Media Days, it seems like they're boring. I know a lot of different stuff is going on for a team like Alabama, like they lose their quarterback, they lose a lot of their offensive line, they lose their receiver core, they, re they lose their running back. I know they have a lot of questions on the offensive side of the ball, but that's not what I mean by boring. When they come into a press conference, they have their message, they control the message, and they get it out and disseminate it through the media, and they're very straightforward to the point. They don't mess around. They're, they're well-trained in how to deal with the media. It always seems like those two teams seem to have relatively boring days, and there aren't major storylines regarding those programs other than everybody knows their national championship contenders year in and year out. For me, I felt like it was hard to kind of take a theme away from UGA today. Yeah, they were just kind of talking about how ready they are to to, uh, to to play this season. And then again, like I talked in the first hour, a quote from Kirby Smart that he took from somebody else, success comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. And like he said, we're too busy to be looking for ex expectations right now. We're too busy to talk about that. We're out here working. We're out here grinding. JT Daniels said a very similar thing. It's like, you know, we're just going to go out there and practice and, and, and get, get prepared for the season. We don't have time to talk about where our offense is rank nationally where what our expectations are against Clemson we're just trying to go out there and get better every single day and it's a very similar thing that you'll probably hear with Alabama uh, here in the coming days is that they're just going to go out there and they're just going to fine-tune some things they're just going to make sure that they're ready week one to go out there and compete so yeah when I look at a team like Georgia and I look at storylines it's just not not focusing too much on expectations not getting caught up in the hype you don't want to see a 2015 Auburn type thing where everybody was getting caught up in the hype but they weren't really analyzing what was going on behind the scenes and what was going on with some of the players and like how everything was actually shaking out. They're going out here and they're focusing on what they have to do in order to compete week one and that really tough matchup against Clemson. UGA has benefited a lot from the transfer portal, maybe not necessarily in numbers, but in the location in which some of these players have come from. Of course, JT Daniels did not come in this cycle of the transfer portal, but he came in the last, and now he's the starting quarterback for UGA. You talk about Eric Gilbert coming from LSU, and then you talk about Darian Kendrick at cornerback coming from Clemson. This team got some of the best talent in the country to transfer to UGA, and JT Daniels actually had something to say about that as he was asked about that when he was at the main podium talking about how UGA has benefited in the transfer portal and how UGA has done so well at recruiting some of these players out there why are they coming to Georgia we'll take a listen to that soundbite from JT Daniels um it's really difficult to beat Georgia uh like when Georgia called me right away I'm like it's a top five team it's a great school it's a great staff they have great players like what what bad can you say about it like what, what can you say is a reason that I wouldn't go there and I couldn't I can't find any um, so I think that definitely helps uh, I think coach smart is you know he's the and he's the hardest worker you'll meet so you know he's uh, any chance that he can get to give us an edge to win games he's gonna do so I think those two are some reasons I would contribute to Georgia being you know uh, prominent in the transfer portal and then in terms of transferring in general, it's just, you know, kind of the nature of the game uh, as it is now. Um, you know, it's uh, you either choose to play it or you choose to not. But, uh, you know, I think you get guys like Eric, 
Um, and you, you just get, there's so many good players that tight, like Tyke and Daniel Kendrick, like you get a lot of great players in the transfer portal that do nothing but come and compete, help, and are great people. Uh, I don't see why you wouldn't take advantage of it. How do I forget about Tyke Smith, the West Virginia safety transfer that also helps bolster this defensive backfield in Georgia? Between him and Darian Kendrick, I think Georgia's going to be just fine at defensive back. I know you may have a little bit of reserve reservations from it, but these guys added a lot of talent. Yeah, and it was something that Kirby Smart also was asked about uh, today. Is like, you know, it's a question that a reporter asks is, you, you know, Smart, you, you said you only want to use the transfer portal on a need basis. So what, what needs do these three guys that you brought in uh, help fill? And he said, well, starting with the two defensive backs, you know, we're under our scholarship quota right now uh, at the defensive back spot. So we had two guys come out early and two guys come out of the portal. So we're just efficient from the scholarship number standpoint, not to mention experience. So bringing in guys like Tyke Smith and Darian Kendrick are definitely going to help fill those two spots. They're two very talented corners. I don't remember what Tyke Smith's star rating was coming out of high school, but I know Darriot Kendrick was a former five-star. Both those guys are going to be able to fill in just nicely for Georgia, and it's going to bolster a unit that I believe only brings back one starter uh, in, in Lewis Klein. So, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely it's de definitely filling some needs there. And then when you look at a guy like Eric Gilbert, I mean, it's just replacing George Pickens and making him bigger. Uh, I don't know necessarily if he's going to be as fast. Eric Gilbert is as uh, George Pickens but it's just putting another guy in that slot that can go out there and be physical and can stretch the field. And JT Daniels is going to have a lot of fun throwing deep, I feel like, this season. So that's just another weapon to add to the arsenal. So, yeah, I feel like these were some really solid transfer uh, additions to Georgia. And then like JT Daniels said, you know, this is a top five program. they got a really good school, really good staff. I can't think of a reason why I wouldn't want to go to a place like Georgia. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for it, man. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Talking about the Georgia Bulldogs today as they were the first team up at SEC Media Days. Day two here in Hoover. I said that there wasn't really a theme with this team. It was kind of boring straight to the point. You know that they're good. You know that they're national championship contenders. UGA benefited in the transfer portal. NIL, confusing, question mark. You talk about the changes happening in college football. Greg Sankey talked about that yesterday in his opening statement. And Georgia comes in today and actually has a couple of questions pointed towards them about the changes in college football. We just talked about the transfer portal, but defensive lineman Jordan Davis, he's not necessarily diving into NIL. And I thought that was interesting because he's really the first player that I've seen say that. I respect that. I really do because it seems like a lot of these college kids are going to be out there and they're just going to be grabbing for any money that can get thrown their way. And actually something that Kirby Smart said, uh, he got a text from Quavo, which is pretty dope. And I love how whenever Jordan got up there, he's like, ah, I'm going to be honest, I don't know if he could name a song by Quavo. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. But something that Quavo texted Kirby Smart is uh, don't don't let these kids just, just go grab whatever is, is thrown at them. Don't let them be thirsty. Don't let them. It let, make sure that they know what situation that they're heading into before they commit to something like that. And I think that's a reservation that Jordan Davis has about potentially having an NIL deal. I'm not really sure what else, why else he wouldn't want to, to benefit that, but he said that it's a choice that you can have, and he completely understands if people want to do it. It's very similar to the vaccine. If you want it, you don't want it. If you want an NIL deal, if you don't want an NIL deal, he completely understands, and he's just going to choose not to do it. So I respect that. I thought it was really refreshing to hear his comments about NIL, mainly because it was different than what we've gotten in the mainstream. And everybody 
says it's a great thing. It's a great addition to college football. But I thought it was really refreshing to hear this guy talk about ball and how it relates to ball and how he is still focused on football. Let's hear Georgia defensive lineman Jordan Davis's comments on NIL. I definitely think the NIL thing is a great addition to um, the NCAA. You know, it gives us the opportunity to use our platform for, you know, profit. But um, in terms of me, I haven't touched it. Um, I'm confused by it, honestly. Um, it's a lot. But um, yeah, I haven't really done anything. And my main focus is just playing because, you know, you can't get an NIL deal if you're not good at football. So, you know, the main focus is just be playing football. But um, definitely, if you have an opportunity, and definitely go for it. I'm, I'm all for it. So you see him there talking about how he's focused on playing football, and at the end of the day, that is his primary goal is to succeed at the highest level in college football. And once again, I, I think that's interesting because we haven't heard too many players talk about this. Also, if you listen to Sports Talk Radio, then you've heard many people call in any radio station in the country probably talking about college football and the NIL you have probably heard somebody call in and raise the question about well how are these coaches going to manage all of these personalities and all these deals and balance all this in the locker room how are these players going to balance it between school and playing are they going to be focused all these different things and he was asked about that and you know what his response was this is what Jordan Davis had to say when he was asked about balancing NIL with football and other responsibilities Davis says he said he wasn't big on social media he actually said the only reason why he got back on it was because he had to come to media days he really was off of it for a while and then he says, quote, it's more than NIL. We want to play. We want to ball. We want to win. I think that's just fascinating in the NIL discussion because we've talked about how these different players navigate through it, how these different players are going to progress through their branding and, and, and grabbing economic advantages for themselves and commercial opportunities through playing this game. But there's somebody right there, and I'm sure there are other players that still share that sentiment that it's still all about football. Yeah, and I really respect that that uh, that decision. I really expect or respect uh, what what he said about social media, the fact that he's been able to get off of it. It's a really refreshing take in a time where everybody's just kind of going with the flow on certain things. It's really interesting to see Jordan Davis's per perspective on some of that different stuff. And so, yeah, I'm all for it. I, I it's really nice to see a leader in your locker room not be tied up over over earning money. And something that he he mentioned is like, you know, I just want to go out there and focus and compete and be the best that I can. That's the reason why some of these guys get their NIL deals. I'm sitting here thinking, like, you know, he's a senior. Like, if he goes out there and plays this season, he's not going to have an opportunity to get an NIL deal uh, for much longer because he's most likely going to be going to the draft and earning money. So I really respect that uh, that mindset, and I would love to see other players kind of take that on as well. And I'm sure that there are players across college football that feel similarly. NIL's great, but – you got to extend it beyond college, right? you got to right. make it to the NFL because there's more endorsement opportunities at the NFL. Let's just be honest. I thought that was great. It's a new it's – it, it's, it's college football, everything's different than it was 20 years ago. Let's just be real. Everything's different. Everything's different than it was five years ago. Everything's just unrecognizable from what things were like 10 years ago. You know, social media gets big 
mid-2000s, late-2000s, around that time, really takes off in the 2010s, and now everything seems to be intertwined into it, right? I, I think maybe it was John Morant that tweeted the other day or something like that that said that he, he doesn't even like social media. He'd, ra he'd rather be off of it, but he can't because everything's run through it. And I was like, you know, that, that's, that's kind of true. And it's refreshing to hear someone talk about football and maybe take a little bit more of that old-school approach. Yeah. You talk about old-school football teams, though. Georgia's the last real successful team that I think you could talk about at the SEC that still brings that old-school approach, even more so than Alabama because Alabama's made major shifts on the offensive side of the ball. Now, I still think they're old-school, right? They still win in the trenches. They still have the best lines in the country a lot of times. But it's definitely a little bit more of an old-school approach at Georgia, it seems. And that was kind of the vibe that I got today. Yeah, I feel like Georgia offensively is the only team that has not necessarily, I don't think caught up is the right word. It's just they've not shifted to the mold that every other team in the SEC and just throughout college football has Do they need to? to. And that was a, that's exactly what I was about to say is they've got the talent right now to way that, the way that they want to run their system that they don't necessarily have to change everything that they're doing. They can continue to run the ball effectively and they can continue to try and hit hit those long balls whenever they can. But it's not about all about uh, running these these type of spread looks and and, and being diverse and, and doing what Alabama's doing. Just just play within yourself. Play Georgia football, man. And I, I respect that. Of course, I don't want to say that Auburn fans should want Georgia to win a national championship. But Brian Harson is bringing some similarities of what this Georgia offense is trying to do, what Iowa State's out there trying to do, some other teams that are a little bit more pro-style oriented, right? And you look at the teams that have won national championships over the last couple of years, they're running spread offenses, they're scoring 40 points a game or more. They're not as focused on defense as they are on offense. Not saying that they don't have good defenses. They have good defenses. But the way in which you win national championships has changed dramatically. I think if Georgia can win a national championship this year, it should at least instill confidence that this brand of football can still win at the highest level. And I think you're kind of looking for a team to embody that at this moment, and Georgia may be that team. Yeah, Georgia might be that team. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out after week one, man. I feel like we'll get a pretty good gauge. Now, obviously, you can't tell everything after one game, but I think we'll get a gauge as to where they're at and where that mentality's at. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we talk about Tennessee. Josh Heupel, his first SEC media days here as head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers. I asked the question, what is success for the Tennessee Volunteers this year? What is their measuring stick for success? We talk about that. When we come back, you're listening to On the Line special coverage of SEC media days in Hoover, presented by the Orthopedic Clinic Redmont Vodka at Keo Valmer. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl here at ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Special coverage of SEC Media Days in Birmingham presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka, and Kia of Auburn. About 40 minutes left of the show until the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. UGA, Tennessee, Kentucky, Ole Miss. Kentucky and Ole Miss right now making their rounds here at day two of SEC Media Days in Hoover. We've talked at length about Georgia today, spoke with Dave Schultz of WNSP 105.5 FM in Mobile, and we talked with Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports back in hour number one. If you missed any of today's show or you miss any show ever that we do, go and find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Time to talk about the Tennessee Volunteers. We haven't paid Rocky Top enough credit at the moment. And now I'll ask you this question, Lance, because – 
a question was asked today to Heupel today, and he did not really answer it, and, and he didn't give a straightforward answer on it. And we'll take a listen to his clip in just a moment, but he was really asked, how big is that chasm right now between old Tennessee, the Tennessee that would win, you know, the last time we saw that was like 07, and then the Tennessee that we're at now, which is dealing with McDonald's bags and new coach every three or four years in Knoxville. It's a different Tennessee. They're way down right now. They've been way down for a while. And what did he have to say in response to that question? Yeah, he just kind of brushed it off. He was like, well, as far as wins and losses, we're definitely not there. And then he was talking about, like, well, there's definitely going to be challenges. That's why I came here. Tennessee's awesome. Go Volunteers. You know, <laughs> everybody's going to – it's going to be great. And we're we're all approaching it well and blah, 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 blah. But what is – like you ask, what is success? What defines success I want to know what the program? expectation yeah. is, What right? are the expectations? Georgia gave us an answer right out the gate. We didn't even have to ask them. They were just like, here are our, expect- our expectations. We aren't having any. We're just trying to focus and go out there and compete. I'd like to hear something similar from Josh Heupel. He was not very direct. Expectations, I think we'll get into a little bit more after the sound bite. But, yeah, expectations, he was not very clear on. Let's take a listen to how Josh Heupel responded to that question about how far Tennessee is away from getting back to the Tennessee of old, the big orange that used to win. If you go by wins and losses, right, uh, we're not where we need to be for sure. Um, but the only time constraints you put on that are, are ones you put on yourself. Um, you know, I, I have a, a different perspe- perspective a little bit maybe of the opportunity that is Tennessee football. And I say that from my playing experience. I went to, to Oklahoma when they hadn't been to a bowl game for, I think, five straight years, right? When you get the right alignment from uh, president to chancellor to athletic director to head coach and you hire a great staff um, in your consistent and you're accountable, I feel like you have an opportunity to move things forward uh, quickly. And there's certainly challenges that we face as a program, but there's great opportunities. And that's why I came to Tennessee. This is Tennessee. This is one of the iconic programs in all of college sports and all of college football. We get an opportunity to celebrate the great traditions while I put a new age approach on it. And our kids and our staff, they're all there because of that, right? They chose the power T for those reasons. Our staff chose the power T for those reasons. Uh, We're going to go out and compete every single day and push forward. I'll be real, though. When he said this is Tennessee, I got a little hype. I don't know why, but you can see that he really values the situation that he's in, and and he values the fact that he's at Rocky Top. He sees this as a great opportunity. He said that many different times. He talked about relationship building. You and I were both really impressed with Josh Heupel today at SEC Media Days with him talking about the culture and the approach that he is bringing to Knoxville and the relationship building, it seems like all of these guys really care for each other and that they may very well be bought in. Yeah, and we'll, we, we may get to uh, talking about what some of the players said uh, later on here in just a minute. But, yeah, Heupel and then the two kids that were with him, Alante Jones and, and, and Velas Jones Jr., uh, are, they, you know, they were really, really, really adamant about the culture 
and it was something that surprised me. Like you said, they were really, really well-spoken. They continued to talk about making sure that they were communicating with their guys and that everybody was hanging out. And they started talking about, you know, we have practices and we, we all hang out outside of that. And Hypo is, is very much so the guy that wants to be able to communicate with his guys. He's making sure everybody's all right, everybody's doing well mentally, making sure that he's hanging out with them outside of practice. And he's something that he said that stuck with me. It was like, you know, we'll all get together and we'll all go out there and work. And then we'll stay in the locker room for about an hour, hour and a half after simply because we just want to be talking to each other about what's going on with life what's going on in the field some things that we can be improving on things that we like things that things that we don't it, it was just really nice to see you know this is a this is a program that I believe leads the country in the amount of players that they lost to the transfer portal. And I believe one of the players was asked about that. was like, well, is, was it a disappointment to see some of your brothers leave? And he was like, it wasn't a disappointment. It was the right decision for them. I'll be honest with you. I tried to keep as many guys coming er, staying as I could. He, he, he said, I believe it was Alante, uh, Alante Taylor. He said, you know, look, I was, I'm the third kid in my family to go to college and I told my mom that I am not leaving Tennessee until I get my degree and I made sh I'm going to make sure of that and I'm going to try and bring everybody along with me and make sure that we all graduate and that we all stay all stay here because we're brothers and we're going to try and get through this team thing together and he's something that he said about Hypel that I really liked he's like I cannot wait to go out on Saturdays this fall and go to war for that man and I was, it was like dang all right so they th this is a close-knit group the guys that stayed is a close-knit group, and I think your one expectation, you talk about what should we expect, I think we should expect them to lay the foundation, and you can see that here in SEC Media Days. They believe they're laying the foundation right now as far as culture. They're establishing it, and then year two, I think you start to get some recruits on campus, you start to mold your program, Hypel does, into what he wants it to be, and I think they're laying the foundation right now. Heupel, of course, asked about his different approach in college football. And my question is, does it work? Will this work? Of course, we talked a little bit with Dave Schultz about culture. And he, he said, what does that even mean, right? And there's, there's a lot of questions about that. And I'm sure we won't really figure out what that means until Tennessee takes the field. A lot to be asked as well about Tennessee's up-tempo approach this year. This will be the fastest-paced offense in the SEC if they – can figure out their quarterback situation and act, and we saw this at Auburn of course Auburn tried Auburn built this you know through their first two years with Gus Malzahn this this persona this personality that they were going to be this up-tempo team that they were going to run over 80 plays a game get up to 90 you know and there have been teams in college football like Oregon that have been able to hit 100 sometimes right it, it doesn't happen often Josh Heupel at UCF was one of those places where they wanted to run a ton of plays and there's a lot of questions to be asked if they're going to actually be able to hit that mark here in the SEC and still be successful this year. Let's take a listen to what Hypo had to say about his different approach and does it work. It's going to take a lot of different forms. It's the way that we communicate inside of our building. Every interaction that we have with, with players, with staff, with janitors, it doesn't matter who it is, uh, creating and harnessing energy inside of our building. I think that's a really important thing that we've tried to build with our VFLs, too, is harnessing that energy and, and creating positive momentum that surrounds our pro program where our kids feel that every single day. Uh, it's the way that we interact with them outside of the game. Uh, the things that I've talked about and that we've done with our players in the, the five and a half months that, uh, that we've been here. As we move forward, uh, it may be different opportunities as far as what the uniform looks like uh, when, uh, when you run out on the field. Man, look good, feel good, play good. And, and uh, we want to create a positive player experience uh, from the moment that they step on campus until they're done, but have a long-term relationship with them that lasts forever. 
That was Josh Heupel talking about his approach, relationship building, and building this culture inside Tennessee here at Knoxville. We're about to have to go to a break, our hard break coming up here at 3.30, about to come up. But when we come back here after this break, I want to talk about it. It seems like these guys have bought in. Everything that you heard from Tennessee today at Media Days, they said the right things. They looked the part right. The question is, in your mind, does that move them up in your preseason ballot? We'll talk about that. Where do we have Tennessee projected? You're listening to On the Line. Special Media Days coverage presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka, and Keogh Vollmer. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Day two SEC Media Days coverage here on On the Line, presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka, and Kia of Auburn. 30 minutes left in the show until the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck as they will keep you up to date with everything happening in Hoover today as well. Seven hours of local sports talk radio, all keeping you up to date with what's going on in Hoover, Alabama, between the Max Roundtable, between us and the drive with Bill Cameron. You've got a full lineup of sports talk on ESPN 106.7, so make sure you keep up with the station and everything going on with it. We've talked a lot about Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Ole Miss right now making their rounds as well. I, I want to stay parked here with the Tennessee Volunteers. Big name in college football that really hasn't achieved much since 2007-ish. I think that was the last time they went to an SEC championship too. Tennessee Vols, I asked you this, that they seem to be bought in. The players that they've brought with them to media days, they seem to all really care about each other. You talk about Alante Taylor's remarks, but I said he's ready to go to war for Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel I thought was really impressive as well. I thought he had a well-crafted message. I thought he spoke really well about his program. My question to you is, we know these guys are talented. Does it move them up in your ballot? I don't know if it does because you got to take a look at that schedule, man. And I, I think they're definitely going to have their work cut out for them. And then a qu- another question that I have is who's going to be the quarterback for Tennessee? And they, they talked a little bit about some of their their different guys. You, uh, uh, Valus Jones Jr. said uh, that all the quarterbacks are great. They get to work on the weekends together because each quarterback has different traits. So he's trying to get involved with these these three different quarterbacks to make sure that he's comfortable with all of them. So he's working with them outside practice. Uh, outside practice. He's so that he's confident in all of them to go out and win a game for for uh, for the Tennessee Volunteers. They just have to go out there and put in the work this offseason. So, yeah, my question is, is who's going to be the quarterback? And I'd feel a little bit more comfortable than going down and filling out that schedule. And, and uh, you and I are going to be able to submit our ballots to uh, as SEC media to be able to kind of guess uh, where we think the Volunteers are going to end up. And that's going to be tough for me whenever I'm going to fill out, you know, who do, where do I think Tennessee's going to finish in the SEC East? Athlon has them projected as fifth. Phil Steele, you have his magazine right in front of you. That he may project them somewhere else. Sixth, sixth in the SEC. Behind East. South Carolina. Oof. Really tied for fifth with South Carolina. But the way in which he orders his magazine, when you go through the preview pages, he orders them in in order of finish, right? And he's got South Carolina listed first before Tennessee, but tied for fifth. Yeah, and I think again expectations you got to look at the quarterback and who that's going to be first and then you get to kind of uh, assess uh, everything else that's going on we were talking about that offense earlier and we were talking about what Tennessee's going to do and how how up tempo was at UCF and Missouri I mean the places that Hypo has been that offense has really worked like really worked and something that he mentioned is that I believe Missouri was either last or, or uh, close to last in the SEC in total yards per game and then they led the SEC when he was there in the two years that he was there which is incredibly impressive the fl- the, the, the way that he, he was able to flip 
flip that. He said something that I thought reminded me of somebody. He said that Tennessee is going to be fast and physical. They're going to play fast and physical football. <laughs> what does that remind you of, Gus Noah? Gus on. Gus Malzahn, yeah. So uh, let, let's hope that let's hope that uh, Tennessee's able to sustain some, some success on the offensive side of the football, and they're able to score some points. Honestly, I think the SEC East is going to be a lot more fun if they can get a couple of guys, or if they can get a couple of guys to rally uh, on the offensive side of the football, and they can be leaders for them, and they can score points. The SEC East is going to be a lot more fun because then Kentucky's going to be in competition, Tennessee's going to be in competition, Florida, Georgia. I mean, that's going to be a four-way battle, and that's going to be fun to watch, man. So yeah, quarterback play, and then how does this offense make a jump? Because the way the places that Heupel's been at before have made that significant jump. Taking a look at the Tennessee Volunteers compared to some of these other teams in the SECs that are really in their same tier. Tennessee, and I, I want, I'm going to ask you each one of these, I'm going to ask you if you think they're more talented than them. Okay. Obviously, Vanderbilt, check yes, please. Yeah, would you say they're more talented than South Carolina? Yes, and I'm not going to be doing any jokes here or anything like that. T Tennessee is a more talented team than Vanderbilt. Would you say that they are more, since we got them, South Carolina and Vanderbilt there, as Tennessee is more talented than, would you say they're more talented than Kentucky? Mm, uh, yes. I'll say yes by just a very thin margin. Why is that? Um, I think recruiting, recruiting, but I but I would say I think uh, ten, uh, we've seen some really good things out of Kentucky's coaching staff. So I would say that player development maybe exceeds that player development, especially when you look at the guys that Kentucky's been able to put in the NFL. I mean, yeah, yeah, they're, that coaching staff definitely knows what they're doing. Would you say that they are more talented than Missouri? No. I don't think – no, I don't think so. So you like Missouri more than Kentucky at this point? Yes. So your SEC, your SEC East hierarchy, we go Georgia, Florida, Missouri, Tennessee, or Kentucky, whichever order that goes, would it go Tennessee over Kentucky or would you Let's go Kentucky see. over Tennessee? I, well, well, Tennessee plays them on the road in November. So uh, I, I would probably give the nod to the Wildcats in that game if, they, uh, if, if Kentucky finds a quarterback, which I believe they will. But what if I told you that Kentucky only beat them two out of the last five years and most of those years, all of those years with the exception of 2016, let's see if Kentucky was better than them in 2019. Let's see, comparing those seasons, all of those years Kentucky had better records than them except for mm. 2016. And they're two and five or two and three in the last five seasons against Tennessee. Mm. It's a tight, it's a tight series. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, that's gonna take me a while to kind of flip flop back and forth on that. I think Tennessee and Kentucky are on par, but they get to that point in different ways. I think Kentucky's player development's been proven, but I think Tennessee's been able to recruit just a little bit better because, like Josh Heupel said, you know it's Tennessee. It's Tennessee football. They've been one of the national brands over the past two uh, two decades or so. Uh, so so yeah, t recruiting wise, I think Tennessee is just a little bit more talented than Kentucky. Uh, it, it, but but player development, man, and what Mark Stoops has been able to do at Kentucky, really impressive. Tennessee's quarterback battle was also a topic of conversation today. Joe Milton's name thrown out a lot. I didn't hear Hendon Hooker's name once. Not once. Hendon Hooker, the Virginia Tech transfer. Maybe I wasn't listening hard enough. Maybe, maybe I just wasn't paying attention enough. I don't know, but I didn't hear his name once. I heard everybody ask about Joe Milton from Michigan. Yeah, I, I don't remember if Heupel uh, spoke about Hinden in his opening statement. I'm going to be honest, I don't think he did. He primarily talked about Joe Milton. And so, yeah, he was asked, asked about Milton. There were a lot of things asked about Milton. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it's something that you and, uh, you and I didn't really talk about, or at least I didn't even think about whenever we were doing our uh, – 
opening uh, pre-recorded se- uh, session there uh, to open the show is uh, I didn't really even think about Joe Milton as even a competitor in the, in this uh, in in this quarterback battle because I didn't really like what I saw from him at Michigan last season. Like I just was not impressed whatsoever. But you know, it's bringing in like a six-five-six-six guy that can really throw the football around the yard. And you know, it's it's going to be an interesting competition if they think that Joe Milton's the guy and that's the name being thrown out uh, everywhere. I don't know, and I said this in the first segment of the show, I don't know if he's a, as good of a scheme fit as Hendon Hooker, but we'll just have to see. We'll have to see. We, we've seen Heupel make do with pocket passers at UCF. You see Dillian Gabriel. Uh, he's more, I, I believe, a, more of a gunslinger. He's going to be standing in that pocket tall and throwing the ball downfield. But, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if Milton's uh, as good of a scheme fit as maybe Hendon Hooker. I don't even know if Harrison Bailey's a great scheme fit for this offense. But if they believe that he's he, he could be potentially the guy, and that's the name that's being talked about, you know, obviously they've got a lot of optimism and confidence in other places uh, i would expect to see see uh, milton yield, yield, yield results if he is the starter week one tennessee wide receiver valus jones jr was at the main podium talking about the tennessee offense and he seems to be extremely excited to be playing for josh heupel in this fast up-tempo offense let's take a listen to what he had to say about how this is a dream come true for wide receivers him uh, watching film when he was at UCF um, I realized from defenses um, uh, it was definitely um, this offense is definitely um, up-tempo you know and I realized with defenses had a lot of busted coverages and also um, defensive line being exhausted, um, from having to like rush over and over and over, which is it opens up the run game. And so it's a lot that comes with this offense. And I know it's like a difficult offense also to stop. And so, you know, me and the receivers are definitely looking forward to, um, you know, fall camp and, you know, getting better each and every day. But um, I realized that yeah, I definitely realized that it was like difficult for um, defenses, you know, to make their calls and checks, and you know, literally snap the ball probably like was six seconds off the clock. You know, it's fast place up tempo, so that's where we definitely stand in shape. Of course, the up tempo nature of play for Tennessee was a hot topic of conversation today. Also, if you were watching on SEC Network at all, they were talking about it a bit, whether or not this will work in this league. Mississippi State has failed at it abysmally at this point. But Tennessee, there's a little bit higher echelon of recruit that's come through the door. Now the question is, at the quarterback position, if it's going to work with Joe Milton, if it's going to work with Hinton Hooker, whoever is taking the staffs for Tennessee, it's that, that's what it's going to come down to. But I'm curious, pros and cons of this. Well, I think whenever you look at what Missouri was able to do during uh, Heupel's time there and you look at what UCF was able to do, I mean, we've seen it work in the SEC before, the style of offense that Heupel's going to want to run. But a thing that I don't think we heard at all about was the running back room. Like, I don't think we heard anything about it. Not, he that, I he- say that, not that I heard. Heupel, when he was talking about his offensive philosophy, did say it's about balance and that he did mention specifically, he said this, and it starts with the running game. Now, a lot of coaches just say that. It's borderline cliche to hear someone say, well, you know, we got to establish the run. It all starts with the running game. It's a cliche in college football, but I do think that 
cliches do have a little bit of truth to it as well. That's why they're said so often. I think he does rely on the running game, but one thing is for sure, you look at what Josh Heupel or what Scott Frost did at UCF, either of those coaches, you look at some of the best up-tempo offenses in college football. You look at when Mike Leach was successful at Washington State. You look across college football, the fastest offenses, what did they all have in common? They all had a quarterback that could throw the football and be efficient while doing it. It wasn't necessarily the biggest arm it, it, always. I mean, you look at Gardner Benchu, he doesn't have a cannon. He's, he was just an efficient, accurate passer. You look across college football, the teams that can throw the ball efficiently, those teams can kick it into another notch. So a question to you, do you think that either Hendon Hooker or Joe Milton could be that guy? Because we've both seen them play at the collegiate level. We've both seen tape. I think Hidden Hooker at Virginia Tech showed more promise to be that mm -hmm. guy to cover more ground as a passer. Joe Milton, you look at his stats last year at Michigan, he completed 56.7% of his passes, 1,077 yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions, lost his job to Cade McNamara before the year was over. That's not a good sign. He's in Tennessee. He's, at, he's in Knoxville because he lost his job at Michigan. He, 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 he would not have transferred had he still been the starting quarterback at Michigan. I don't want to put words in his mouth, you know, but I, I, I'm just assuming, I'm just guessing that he wouldn't have left Michigan had he not lost his starting job. That's kind of what I'm saying, man. It's like I didn't really like what I saw from Milton last year, and to your point, it's like you, you ain't transferring out of a program if you're the starting quarterback and you're going to be able to, to thrive in one of the best college football teams in the country. So, yeah, uh, I don't necessarily th think Milton's kind of a throwaway in terms of like potentially being the starting quarterback, but I agree with you. I do really like what I saw from Hendon Hooker at Virginia Tech. Do, what do we know about his situation? I feel like he was kind of playing uh, – just kind of, it was injuries, I believe, that was his issue at Virginia Tech. Uh, he was he was battling it out. Borderline two-year starter. Yeah, he was a two-year starter, and then he had some injuries, and they had another kid come in. His name is currently slipping my mind, but they kind of went back and forth, kind of shared the season there, and, and then Hinden decided to, to uh, enter the transfer portal. Thinking yeah. about Braxton Burmeister. Yes. What yes. a name. There was a guy before Man, that's like him. like Brock Osweiler. There was a guy before him that he split time with as well. I'm forgetting his name, but uh, it may come to me in a second. But well, Look at Hinden, Hook, Hinden Hooker, though. 65.3% completion percentage, 1,339 yards, nine touchdowns, five interceptions. That's a much better mark than what we saw out of Joe Milton last year. Yeah, and it's at a program that's playing in in a, in a, in a Power 5 school, so or a Power 5 uh, conference. So, uh yeah, I, I really like what I saw from Hinton Hooker during his time at Virginia Tech, and I would expect him to be – he would be a fun guy to watch uh, in uh, in uh, Tennessee's system. What were his numbers running the ball? Yeah, Do that's you? what I was about to say. He's actually a lot more of an elusive rushing threat than Joe Milton as well. Joe Milton at Michigan – Average 2.9 yards per carry, 109 net yards last year, one touchdown. You look at Hendon Hooker last year, he had 5.2 yards per carry, nine touchdowns, 620 so, yards net. So get that. So while he, he had nine touchdowns of five picks, which is a bonex stat line if I've ever seen one, <laughs> but he added nine touchdowns on the ground. I mean, the dude was a, was a dual threat, and I'd love to see something like that in Tennessee's offense. So they're going to be high octane. They're going to be up-tempo. If they're going to be pushing the ball downfield, they're going to be establishing the run game, getting your quarterback in there I believe Hinton Hooker's like 6'3 right like he's a big dude like, but everybody talked about Joe Milton today including Tennessee wide receiver Valus Jones Jr. we listened to a sound clip earlier let's take a listen to another one he had some glowing things to say about the Michigan transfer QB um, Joe is a great guy you know as soon as he came in he um, he fit in with the guys well 
Um, has a great personality, great sense of humor. Um, you know, he's just a hardworking guy, you know, that want to be great. And that's all of us, you know, we come in, we, can, we compete, you know, in the weight room, everything we do, we compete. And, you know, that's how you bring the best out of people. Um, definitely has a, a strong arm. I feel like that's one of his um, great traits he have about himself. And about the quarterbacks, you know, I have confidence in um, any one of my quarterbacks that they can go out there and win a game and perform the way they need to perform. And so, you know, they all have great things and um, different traits about them. But, yeah, I'm really confident in all my quarterbacks. I just I, – I can't believe nobody said – like, I, I'm, I don't want to say that nobody said Hendon Hooker's name, but Joe Milton's name was mentioned so much more than Hendon Hooker's today. And, I, and, and you look at some of these preview magazines – Phil Stills got Joe Milton as the starter. Does Athlon have Joe Milton as the starter? They have Hendon Hooker okay. as the starter. Maybe, I don't know if Joe Milton Split. had transferred. We got a quarterback battle in Knoxville. Yeah, actually, no. Joe, Joe, in Athlon's magazine, they talk about Joe Milton as well. They actually have Harrison Bailey listed as the backup. They have Milton as the third-string quarterback. Athlon does. Of course, Athlon doesn't know anything because we, we saw their starters returning for Georgia and a few other teams. They like, know stuff. Actually, I know you're being hard. Uh, but, but for real, though, for real, though, uh, interesting to see – uh, two different media outlets uh, it put faith in two different quarterbacks, and I think that's a testament to where this quarterback battle is right now. And you know, you everybody's talking about Joe Milton, but my question is, was everybody talking about Joe Milton simply because only the media asked about Joe Milton and nobody else? It, like like uh, Jones said yeah. there, he's like, I'm confident in all of my quarterbacks to go out there. So maybe maybe he's just giving praise to what could potentially be uh, the, the backup quarterback. I don't want to say that. I'm not saying that it's going to flip either way, but giving praise to somebody, but making letting everybody know, you know, like we don't know who's going to be the starter yet. So I'm really confident in all of these guys uh, to potentially step forward and be that guy. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we wrap up our day two coverage of SEC Media Days presented by the Orthopedic Clinic Redmond Vodka and Kia of Auburn. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390. Text number at 334-564-1840. Day two of SEC Media Days about done for us here. We got three minutes left until we get out of here, and you got about seven minutes till four o'clock, four to six. You'll have the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. Lance, takeaways from today. Wrap it all up. Well, I was really impressed from what I saw from this Tennessee, uh, these two Tennessee players that we got to to uh, to talk to for a little bit, and I was really impressed with what I heard from Coach Heupel. And it was it was a lot of coach speak, a lot of stuff not being very direct, but the things that he was talking about, uh, that he was talking about outside of that, you know, it was it was promising things. I feel like they're, I don't know if this is the year that they, they even make a bowl game, I'll be honest with you. Um, but, but I feel like they're going to lay the foundation and lay it properly, and I'm really excited to see uh, some stuff out of this Tennessee volunteer squad moving forward. Didn't really get a chance to uh, hear from Kentucky or Ole Miss. Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna go back later tonight and kind of get to get a feel for what they had to say. And you know, I was also excited just to kind of kind of see what uh, what Kirby Smart had to say. I uh, was really impressed with with the way that he came prepared to talk about NIL and different things like that. Uh, and then I, I liked what I heard from JT Daniels and, and uh, Jordan Davis, just knowing that 
but they need to go out there and need, they need to be prepared. Uh, and they're not really worried about expectations, how their offense or defense is going to perform, uh, what, what media outlets are saying. They're just going to go out there and then it just, again, just a really r- refreshing uh, opinion uh, from uh, Jordan Davis there uh, about, you know, social media and NIL and different things like that. So it's just just a, a good day overall, a lot of positive things to take away from some of these uh, different schools that have spoken today. Of course, an excellent day today. Tomorrow, the defending national champions, the Alabama Crimson Tide, roll into town. Yes, sir. It'll be interesting to see what Saban has to say. Uh, see, say, uh, listen to hear what, what he has to say about his quarterback, Bryce Young, uh, what they're going to be able to do to, uh, to um, uh, figure out what they're going to do at that receiver spot. You know, outside of John Mechie, they really need to, to have some guys ste- step up. Some uh, Ajayi Hall maybe could be a guy that steps up. Billingsley, the tight end, is going to be somebody that has to step up. And uh, defensively, they've got to be able to, uh, to get back where they were, you know, back in the, the, the uh, early 2010s, 2012s, uh, 2013. They've got to be I believe that this is the year that defensively they can get back to where they were, at least statistically. I feel like Alabama's kind of setting themselves up. They're preparing mentally. It's very similar to Georgia, except there's a little bit more storylines going on. I feel like they're uh, going to be able to set themselves up mentally very, very well uh, moving forward into the 2021 season. I feel like both them and Georgia are just focused and, and, and ready to go out there and compete. You know who else is tomorrow? Who? Mike Leach. That's going to be awesome, man. That's going to be awesome <laughs> to see in person. Mike Leach is going to be good for a quote. The Looking pirate. forward to that. That's right. So we got a lot of great stuff for you guys tomorrow. That does it for day two coverage of SEC Media Days here at Hoover, presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka, and Kia of Auburn. We'll be back tomorrow, 2 to 4 p.m., same time, same place. Of course, continue to follow all of our great content on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama as we keep you up to date as well. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody.